Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with a very special guest. His name is Dr. Gil Blander. Dr. Blander is the founder and chief scientific officer for Inside Tracker, and he is internationally recognized for his research in the biology of aging. Welcome, Gil. Welcome, and I'm very happy to join you, Jen. I'm thrilled to talk to you today because your research interests are right up my alley, and I'm just passionate about us figuring out what works for our unique bodies and the whole idea that we are not one size fits all. You would probably agree with me that this is the future of what we're going to do in healthcare. Definitely, I will agree with you. It's a, I think that it's something that we're going to make a revolution in our life, and Currently, only the pioneers doing that, but uh, very soon everyone will have his own uh, personalized nutrition plan. 
I love it. Tell us about your background and research interests and how you came into this field. Sure. So from a very young age, I was fascinated by the aging process. And the reason for that was that a a relative of mine uh, passed when I was 12. And instead of being sad about her uh, passing away, I was basically worried about myself because I realized that I won't live forever. So at that time, I decided that uh, I will dedicate my life to study aging. So that's why I studied biology. I done my PhD at the Weizmann Institute of Science. And then I moved to Boston and uh, done my PhD at the lab of Lenny-Gerwente, a focus on uh, aging research. During that time, I also was exposed to a lot of uh, intermittent fasting and, uh, and other studies that uh, we done mainly in a model organism. And I assume that we'll discuss it later. When I uh, arrived to MIT, I also started to be exposed to the environment of Kendall Square, which is the area at uh, Boston or at Cambridge that MIT is located, which have uh, thousands of companies, high-tech, biotech, pharmaceutical. And I started uh, to realize that there are a lot of interesting uh, research going there that might be exciting for me. So I decided instead of becoming a professor in the industry, I wanted to start my own company that maybe will help people to live a longer, better life. And that's basically was the genesis of uh, the company Inside Tracker. I assume that we'll discuss it later, so I don't want to get too deep about that. But uh, I founded the company uh, almost 11 years ago. And what we are trying to do is uh, allow everyone to live a longer, better life based on what's happening inside their body. Oh, I love that. And I think that all of us who are intermittent fasters, most of us, many of us, I'll say, I won't say most, I'll say many of us came to intermittent fasting because we heard it might help us lose a few pounds. <laughs> you know, as I talked about with you before we began recording, I lost over 80 pounds and have been able to keep it off for five years now. But once we came to intermittent fasting, we realized, wow, this is really a health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So when did you begin fasting yourself? How long have you been doing it? Tell us about your own fasting journey a bit. Sure. So I started my intermittent fasting, I would say, maybe eight years ago. And that was based on the research that I done uh, at MIT and later on at the research that we have done at uh, InstaTracker, which I realized that there are a lot of benefits for uh, intermittent fasting. I can discuss it more, but I assume that I can discuss it also later. Yeah, let's talk about it now. Talk about some of those benefits because people are excited. Some of us that started it for the weight loss didn't understand. When I started it first, I just thought of it as, hey, this is just a way for me to eat less food and lose weight. I didn't really understand that there was so much more going on in our bodies. So my audience is, of course, going to be very interested to hear about the science part of it. And you are just really poised to tell us more about it than I even could, of course. So what was the research? What pulled you in? What was just made you say, yes, this is something I'm going to do? So I think that it started in the 1930s when uh, researchers actually took rats and basically caloric restrict them. So he cut the amount of calories of the rats by 30 to 50%. And then uh, he realized that actually those uh, rats can live up to 50% longer. But nobody understood why and how. And then in the last, I think, the, the big push happened in the last couple of decades that a lot of research was done on mice, on fish, on uh, worms, on yeast, 
and even on monkeys that show that when you uh, intermittent fast dose or uh, cut the calories of uh, those model organisms, you can increase the lifespan of those model organisms by up to 50%. So I came to intermittent fasting more as I want to live forever than to lose weight. Luckily enough, I succeed to manage my weight using nutrition and uh, exercise, and I haven't had to use this tool, which is an amazing tool, and I agree with you that uh, intermittent fasting is one of the best tools to lose weight, but uh, uh, for me personally, that wasn't the reason. So especially when I came to MIT, and that was in uh, 2002, we started to do a specific uh, research at the lab with uh, mainly mice. At that time, what I knew is uh, you need to do caloric restriction. So intermittent fasting wasn't the way that we used it. Basically, what we done is uh, we went down, usually the animal room is in the basement of the building. I don't know why. So you go down in the elevator to the basement. And then you house each mice in one cage. Instead of usually you house like five mice in a cage, you house only one mice in a cage. And then you need to weigh the food for these mice, and they give him like, I don't know, 30 to 50% less food. And when you do that, you see that the mice are jumping on the food and maybe finishing the food in 10 minutes because they're so hungry. And you do it every day. Basically, it's a lot of work for the scientists because you need every day to come there, a weekend, weekday, holidays, you need to, someone needs to come there, weigh the food, give them the food, and it's a, a lot, a lot of work. And then once a scientist was a bit lazier, and uh, he said, hey, maybe we should just give them uh, more food, but feed them instead of every day. Let's feed them every other day. Oh, that is great. I love this hearing this story because is that really the genesis of every other day fasting? I'm not sure, but I'm telling you the story. Okay, my, I love uh, it. My okay. <laughs> <laughs> These scientists said, hey, as human beings, we are all, always lazy and we're trying to do the easier intervention that we can. So go down to the, in the elevator and you need to put, you know, all the gear or all the coat and the and glasses and the cover your shoes. It's a lot of work. So these scientists found that actually when you give them much more food but feed them every other day, you see the same effect uh, related to longevity. So basically, they still live uh, 30% longer. So then everyone say, hey, why, why should we? Not everyone, but a lot of the experiment moved to basically uh, feeding the mice every other day. Then you also can save a lot of money because instead of uh, housing each house in, the, in its own cage, you house, uh, let's say, four or five mice in a cage, and uh, you get charged by the university by the number of cages, not by the number of mice. So basically, you also save a lot of money for uh, for the lab. So that was the, let's say, the genesis for me for uh, every other day fasting or intermittent fasting. But I also started to look at the effect in humans. And actually, there are a lot of, not a lot, but there are some uh, nice research about the effect in humans. You know, a lot of that is is based on the Ramadan fasting, right? We have the human side of things with people who are fasting for Ramadan. Yeah, correct. That is more, let's say, observational study. But uh, uh, some scientists, especially what I know is uh, from the USDA, and I know that the USDA done a study for, I think, like two or three years. And basically, they uh, it was a, a pretty good study, control study, uh, two groups, one group fed as normal and the other group, they, I think that they cut the calorie around 20 or 25% of the normal diet. And they obviously seen what you have seen. They have seen that they lost weight. 
but also uh, them and others seen a lot of other effects that are very exciting for me. So I'm very happy that everyone is excited about weight loss, but the weight loss, I would call it the phenotype, basically what do you see with your eyes. It's very important for me to see also what's happening inside your body, or let's take selfie from the inside, okay? And when you look at that as a scientist, we could find a lot of markers that show that actually intermittent fasting doing good for your body. So I can give you an example. The glucose level or fasting glucose level is going down. And uh, as I'm sure that you and your audience know, glucose is very important to our metabolism, but it's uh, super important to maintain the low glucose because uh, if you have a, a high glucose, it uh, make a lot of tension on your pancreas that uh, create the insulin. And then uh, an effect of that in the long term, you can become diabetic. So, yeah. So over time, fasting makes your blood glucose go down to levels that are a nice, healthy, steady state. Correct. That's a huge effect. And then not surprisingly, so if you look at glucose, you can look at the glucose now, or you can look at the glucose uh, after overnight fasting. But there is a not, uh, another marker that's called hemoglobin A1c. If I'm trying to explain it simply, it's basically showed the average of the level of your glucose in the last 90 days. And the reason for that is that our red blood cells are uh, regenerate every 90 days. And we are looking actually at a modification on the red blood cells that they become uh, modified using a uh, sugar on them. And because they live only 90 days, you can see how much uh, uh, glycolated A1C you have. And that's a, a very a strong measurement of a diabetic, but also it's a, a strong measurement of the level of your glucose uh, over the long term. And again, uh, as data in the literature show that intermittent fasting or caloric restriction can uh, decrease the A1C. So those two are related to glucose. But you have a lot of other markers like lipids, like triglyceride, LDL and HDL. Also a marker like uh, uh, of inflammation such as a HSCRP, which is eye sensitivity C-reactive protein or a C-reactive protein, which is a global marker of inflammation that's going down, which is great. Inflammation is pretty bad, and we want to have it as little as possible. There are other markers that are interesting that are showing effect, like a marker called DHEAS, which is a, a precursor of uh, hormones. So there are a lot of a very good effect of uh, intermittent fasting on blood biomarkers, which is, uh, as you can hear, I'm very passionate about. But there, there are other effects that are not less important, such as uh, decrease your uh, uh, blood pressure. Blood pressure is also very important. So I think that uh, uh, what is uh, nice about the uh, intermittent fasting that it's uh, <laughs> looks like maybe even as a one a drug in a way, or not, it's not a drug, but a wonder intervention, they're doing so many good things at once. That's what I think too. For all the people who start intermittent fasting for weight loss, they may not find that the weight loss is quick. That's something, you know, we're used to, you know, these fad diets. They promise you're going to lose a ton of weight. Intermittent fasting is not always quick for someone. Like let's say someone has really high glucose levels and they have a high A1C and they're diabetic or pre-diabetic. And it may take them time to see their bodies heal with the intermittent fasting. And so one of the things that's saddest to me as someone in the intermittent fasting community is when someone says, oh, I started, I haven't lost any weight. So I, I don't think intermittent fasting is, quote, working. And what we like to tell people is, well, it's working 
deep in your body in ways you may not be able to see yet, but you need to give it time. What would you tell those people who may think, gosh, I haven't dropped a lot of weight quickly. It must not be working. What would you tell them? Yeah, I think that that's a a great point. And actually, uh, last October, I uh, went to a scientific conference and I heard a a great presentation about uh, intermittent fasting. This scientist, what she done is she's basically compared uh, let's say every other day fasting versus a uh, time rest- restricted feeding. So uh, time restricted feeding is usually it's called I don't know sixteen eight or I don't know eighteen six. Basically, either sixteen hour or eighteen hours you are fasting, and then uh, between eight to six hour you have a feeding period, and then you have the ever, every other day you can eat as much as you want in one day. Again, don't go and become a pig, and then uh, the other day it's completely fasting. And what she said that uh, when she looked at the data, which uh, was a real clinical trial, that was a very uh, impressive data, she said that uh, both of them had a pretty similar effect. What she have seen, that she have seen a much more dropout in the population that tried uh, every other day uh, fasting, because it was much harder for them to accumulate for that. Everyone that got to the two-week mark, basically done it for two weeks, they continued to go with that, and that was uh, okay with them. But there was, a, a let's say, a period of uh, around two weeks for the every other day fasting that it was very hard for a population to do it. She looked at it uh, similarly to you, mainly in the weight loss angle. So that was uh, one group. The other group that uh, done uh, 16-8 or 18-6, she said that it was much easier for them to start it, and they basically... After a week, they got into that pretty easy. And I want to tell you that that's what I'm doing. So for me, the time-restricted feeding is uh, pretty easy. It's my uh, lifetime. And it's like, I, I don't think about it even. It's like my clock is already set for that. And it's, it's not a big deal for me. It's like part one intervention that doing so much for my body. So I'm saying, yeah, it's great to do it. Yep. So you follow time-restricted feeding. So do I. We also call that the eating window approach casually in our communities. I tend to have, I'm I'm a pretty short eating window. My eating window could be anywhere from two to six hours, just depending on how busy I am, what I'm doing that day. How long is your typical window? What I'm trying to do is I'm not eating dinner after seven. For sure, not uh, eating anything before 10. I'm trying to push it even to noontime. Like today, it was 11. And there are some days that I'm so busy, so I'm uh, even skipping on uh, lunch. Some days I'm uh, busy and uh, I, maybe I ate uh, my uh, breakfast uh, earlier, like 10. So then I might skip dinner. On those days, ex- again, it's an anecdote and I'm a scientist, so I don't want to quote me in the world. But at the days that I'm uh, skipping my dinner, I see an, a, a decrease of two pounds of my weight in the day after. And uh, I'm doing it like uh, once a week or so. So it's uh, really interesting. And and again, I haven't done any study about that, but it's really interesting that when I'm uh, uh, pushing uh, breakfast late and skipping dinner, I I, I can uh, lose a day later uh, around a couple of pounds, which is, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, people are always looking for ways to tweak their window so it, it works best for them. And also that scale is a great motivator for people in the community, which is true. I love the, the what you talked about from the presentation that the, it took people a couple of weeks to fully adjust to the every other day pattern. Anyone who's trying that method out, be aware it's going to take a while. 
I want to get back to, you know, you were comparing the time-restricted feeding to the every other day. Did they find any differences long-term in the populations who did one versus the other? As much as I remember, they haven't seen any big difference, like statistically significant difference. Uh, and I think that they mainly measure weight loss. I, maybe, if, again, if I recall correct, it was uh, in uh, October. I think that they've seen also effect on, uh, they looked also on the lipids, so they've seen the uh, effect on LDL. But I think that it was uh, pretty comparable, and uh, I think everyone should uh, choose the method that is good for him. Also for me, I'm not uh, uh, doing the time-restricted fasting every, every day. Like the weekend, if I'm going for a party, or if uh, in the weekend uh, I'm planning to go for a long-term cycling, like cycling for a few hours, I will eat earlier because uh, it's very important to supply uh, fuel for your body. So, um, And the, the data from the literature actually show that uh, even if you uh, don't do it every, every day, it's, it's okay. So it's okay to cheat once in a while. You don't have to do it uh, seven days a week, uh, 360 a day. You can uh, once in a while go out of it and that's fine. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a lifestyle, but we have special occasions, so you don't have to think of it as, wow, I cheated. It's just really, you know, today I'm having a longer eating window. Maybe it's 12 hours today, you know, and that's okay. You're living your life, and we don't want to feel like it's a prison sentence because it, it has to be a flexible, enjoyable lifestyle. So does everybody at the Inside Tracker office, does everybody do intermittent fasting? Not everybody. So we are, uh, uh, it's interesting, we have a... Uh, diverse uh, a team of players we have uh, a lot of athletic active uh, people so we have a few marathon runners and uh, i think that uh, someone like that and they are mainly running in the in the morning uh, so for those guys it's pretty hard to do it so if you ask me what population i want uh, recommend to do intermittent fasting is someone that uh, exercise a lot and they exercise in the uh, immediately after uh, uh, finishing or during the window of fasting, because at the end of the day, after a, an hour of exercise, you need some new fuel, and if not, you will make damage to your body. We also have uh, a few that are more like uh, strength uh, people that are uh, doing CrossFit and other, but we have a few people that are fasting. We have a team member that actually is uh, now doing a few one-week fast, so it's really uh, exciting to see his result. Uh, he, he done uh, the test and uh, sorry, he done the one week fast and he, he tested before and after. And it's interesting to see what is the effect of on this biomarker. It's really fascinating. That is fascinating. We don't have a lot of science on longer fasts. What happens? Are y'all studying like metabolic rate and all of that as well? So he mainly looked at uh, his uh, biomarkers level. So in InstaTracker, we have a panel of uh, 40-something blood biomarkers, so we basically tested before and then after, and it's, it was very interesting to see the, the effect on the, and you can see the effect on the metabolic-related markers. You can see how the triglyceride is going down. I think that actually went up because you, you don't have enough glucose, but you can see a lot of changes that are really interesting following the week of fasting. It's really fascinating. We, yeah, we do actually see in our community people who start intermittent fasting do find their cholesterol while they're actively losing a lot of fat. They will see cholesterol go up just because they're losing so much fat. So, yeah, that is something we see. And people are like, oh, no, my cholesterol went up. It's long-term. Long-term we see beneficial effects. But at, in the short term, people are often surprised by that. 
Correct. And the, for example, why the triglycerides are going up is because you don't have enough glucose in your body, so the liver uh, sends some uh, triglyceride to compensate for that. But definitely, I agree with you, the long-term effects are very good, and uh, actually, I encourage your uh, listener to, to test and, and see, because I agree with you, we need more data, and uh, there is a lot of data in the model organism, not enough in humans. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that more is going to come. Intermittent fasting is everywhere now. I'm sure you saw the article in the New England Journal of Medicine that came out end of December. Dr. Mark Matson's team reviewed intermittent fasting and the research on it. And so doctors are really interested in how can I use intermittent fasting with my patients that I have right now, my patients with type 2 diabetes, my patients with fatty liver, things like that. What health conditions would you say that intermittent fasting is really, really great for? I think that, again, I'm not a physician. I have a PhD in biology, so I'm I'm not uh, trying or claiming to practice medicine. I think that for healthy people, it's uh, definitely good, and uh, someone that would like to lose weight. It should work for everyone, but uh, consult with your physician, because your physician knows your best, and uh, uh, theoretically, it should work for a, a diabetic. But I think that the best is to consult with the physician and do it together with him and uh, under the control. And maybe you will need to adjust the amount of insulin that you inject or I don't know what. So again, uh, theoretically on the paper, based on the research and the literature, it should work. But uh, talk with your physician and uh, do it together with him. Yep, I agree 100%. You don't want to go off on your own and start changing things up, and that could be dangerous. You're right. Now, let's talk about personalized nutrition a little bit. For listeners who have read my second book, Feast Without Fear, I talked about this. I wrote that book in 2017. I came across an interview. Well, no, it was a TED Talk. It was a TED Talk by Dr. Aaron Segal, and he was talking about how we have a personalized glycemic response, and it's based on our genetics. It's based on our gut microbiome. And that TED Talk really just blew my mind because I've read diet books my whole life. I struggled with my weight, and every diet claimed to be the one best diet for all people. And so I would try low fat, I would try low carb, I would try high fat. You know, I just kept trying different things. A friend might have really good results on one approach, whereas I had the opposite results. It didn't work for me. And so the whole concept that we're different when it comes to what foods work for us, was new to me. And I think people are starting to understand this more, but can you talk about that scientifically? Yeah, definitely. I I completely agree with you, Jane. So personal nutrition is uh, basically the definition for that in my way, is let's understand what's happening inside your body. And then based on that, let's fit for you the best diet that is good for you. So as you said, we have... uh, a few diets like the keto diet and the, the high carb, low carb, high fat, low fat, high, high protein, low protein. Some people say, hey, it's good for everyone. It's good for subpopulation. And in order to know what is good for you, you need to understand better what's happening inside your body. So what we are doing at InstaTracker and what actually the literature is saying, because us and others publish papers that show that if you know exactly what is uh, happening inside your body, and then you assign for a, a specific person a specific food that is good for him, and then you combine all the, in our case, it was more than a thousand uh, subjects, you combine all of them and look at the effect on the blood biomarkers, as I discussed before, glucose and cholesterol and the inflammation markers, 
another, you can see that when you do it in a personalized way, you can see a very nice effect on those blood biomarkers. So basically, you can improve how you look from the inside just by knowing what's happening in your side at the starting point and giving you an intervention that uh, is good for you. And I can give you an example. A lot of people are saying that a high-fat diet is bad. Yes, it's bad for someone that uh, might have a high cholesterol. But if you have your uh, metabolism is good and your cholesterol is not high, maybe high-fat diet is good for you. But if you have high cholesterol or uh, maybe genetic predisposition to high cholesterol, that might not be good for you. Now, if someone has an issue with the level of iron, usually it's an athletic active population or a young women that lose a, a blood every month. Again, you can eat it, receive it from the food, eat red meat. If you have high cholesterol, maybe you should use other source of the, red, of the iron because the red meat is not the best for you. So basically what we are trying to do in the uh, personal nutrition community is a look at your uh, blood, at your DNA. Now we are even looking at your data from your activity tracker. So we're looking at your Fitbit and we can analyze your uh, sleep data and your resting heart rate and activity. And based on all of that, give you the best recommendation that is good for you. That's fascinating. So you do incorporate blood biomarkers, and that is, of course, something that changes. It's responsive to how you're living your life, but you also look at the DNA to see. I know that that science is still unfolding, the whole science of what DNA says about, you know, what foods work best for us. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. And by the way, I completely agree with you that DNA alone is not strong. And the reason for that is that the DNA giving you your potential. So basically, I can, uh, let's take the example of the glucose that we discussed uh, a few minutes ago. I can tell you based on your DNA that you have a high predisposition to high glucose, meaning if I will compare you to someone that doesn't have high predisposition, you might have a higher uh, glucose level. But it doesn't say that today you have high glucose. It just says that you have a higher risk to have high glucose. But if uh, I'm combining it now with blood, I can come and tell you, Gene, not only that you have a high predisposition for high glucose, you also have high glucose. Or you have high predisposition to high glucose, but you have a a normal glucose. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. And actually, there are a lot of different permutations for that. So in the case of uh, you have high risk for high glucose and you really have high glucose, maybe what we were telling you, hey, you got a bad cards. Now you need to play the best that you can do because your cards are not good enough, but now it's uh, your willpower to beat your odds and uh, get the glucose down, okay? While someone that have a low predisposition for high glucose, meaning his genetics is very good, but he still have high glucose, then I can tell you, you got a great cards, but you're not playing them well. Meaning, just changing a bit of your lifestyle, you can uh, significantly improve your glucose. So basically, by knowing the data from the genetics and combining it with the blood, we can give you a, a high-definition understanding of what's happening inside your body. And then based on that, we can fit uh, the best food for you, the best exercise, the best supplement, the best uh, lifestyle changes, such as intermittent fasting in order for you to be the best of yourself. I love that. When did y'all start with Inside Tracker? How many years has your company been been doing this? So we are a, a bit more than 10 years. I started the company as a naive scientist. And at that time, when I came to a potential partners, investor, everyone looked at me as a crazy guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, 10 years ago, that did sound, cr- no one was talking about this 10 years ago. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, with time now, it's like everyone is talking about it. We have, uh, we are working together with the biggest and the brightest in the academia, but also we are working with a very, very big companies that are trying to implement it to their customers. We are working with uh, professional teams. I mean, uh, professional athletic teams in, here in the U.S., we are working with the military. So there are a lot of excitement about InstaTracker and also a lot of uh, consumer like the people that uh, listen to this uh, podcast. Basically, instead of looking at the availability of the food, and if you look today at uh, the USDA catalog, there are like 8,000 different food items that are available to us. If you look at the average American in an average week, we are consuming around 20 food out of those 8,000. So basically, we have a universe of 8,000, and we are uh, looking at a very small portion of this universe. So first, what we are trying to do at InstaTracker, we're trying to give you uh, education that there are other kinds of food that you can eat, but also guide you to the foods that are good for you. Because you might eat, I don't know, a, a specific kind of nut, but that might not be the best for you. Maybe actually eat a specific kind of bean is the, something that will make you better. So let's say a consumer wanted to 
participate in your in your services? Would they go to your website? How does the process works for a consumer who's interested? One of my listeners who's like, I need to figure this out. I need to do it. What what would they do, and how would the process be? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very simple. They come to our website. It's insidetracker.com. There we have a, a few options. So we have a simple option. If you uh, don't want or cannot invest too much money, you can take the data from your annual physical, the blood data, and upload it into our server. And then we'll give you a recommendation based on that, what food should you eat, what exercise, what supplement, and so on. You can also come to us and uh, order a blood test if you want to, if you don't have a, a recent data or if you want to go a bit more crazy and look at the biomarkers that uh, are usually not tested by your physician. For example, cortisol, which is the stress hormone, a lot of the time it's not tested by the physician or uh, uh, testosterone is another one and uh, some marker uh, uh, specific for iron and uh, B12 is not always uh, be tested. So you can come and uh, pay, and then uh, uh, we'll give you a lab slip. You will go to a lab. The lab uh, will take your blood, and then a few days later, we'll receive the result. Uh, similarly to the blood, we have a similar uh, solution for DNA. You can upload your result if you've done tests via 23andMe or Ancestry. You can upload that. Or you can come and uh, buy our DNA kit and do the test with us. Our mantra is uh, we are not uh, the device, we are the, the advice. If you need a device, you can buy it from us. But if you have the device already from different places, upload it, we'll charge you much, much less. But then you will get, if the data is, uh, is good, you will get as good uh, output as someone that done the test with us. Our mantra is really to help everyone to live longer, better life. And uh, if we can do it with uh, data that is already available for you, do it. I love that. So there are really a lot of different ways that people can take advantage of your services with their own blood tests, their own DNA reports. Like, for example, I had mine done through 23andMe years ago. So I could come to your website, upload my raw data, and it would generate a report for me. Quite, yes. Now I want to do, I want to do the whole picture now. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) But I would recommend, again, as we discussed a few minutes ago, DNA is exciting, is interesting, but is a... I will call it infotainment. Basically, it's a, a give you information and a lot of entertainment, but it's not very actionable. But when you combine the DNA together with the blood, suddenly your eyes open and say, wow, that's amazing. So if you have your 23andMe data, that's great. Upload it. We can give you some value. But the, the highest amount of value will come when you combine the DNA with the blood. Well, that's now what I want to do. So that's going to be my goal is to get that done because that sounds, I would really love to have that data, especially since I've been doing intermittent fasting. It's been six years now, five years since I got to my my goal size, but six years in general, just intermittent fasting, living it as a lifestyle. So I'd be very interested to see what my biomarkers said. So are y'all doing anything with the gut microbiome as well? Because I know that there's some people, I think, oh, what's his name? Oh, Tim Spector. Are you familiar with his work with the gut microbiome and, and personalized yes, nutrition? Yes, yes. I knew you would be. <laughs> but are you doing anything with the gut as well? Yeah, so what we are doing with the gut is we are looking at the uh, data that uh, can come from a blood test and from a DNA test. We are also uh, reviewing the data about the microbiome, which is a, a very exciting field within the next five to 10 years. This data will be really actionable 
but we uh, strongly believe that it's not ready yet for the prime time uh, for the average consumer because it's really confusing yet and the scientists still don't agree whether if you have more bacteria X or less bacteria Y, what does it mean for you in related to should you eat more of that food or less of that food? So we are monitoring it very carefully and we are working on uh, extracting as much information as possible for the gut health based on the blood and DNA and your goals. But we are not there yet, in our opinion, to give you a recommendation of what food to eat based on that. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point because we really are still in the infancy of this science because the whole idea that, hey, we have all these different things going on inside of us, like they just were able to map the microbiome or figure out what was in there or sequence it within the past 15 years, 12 years, something like that. It's not, it's not something that they even were able to do until recently. So yeah, the, the research is ongoing. Yeah, it's ongoing. And uh, again, I think that there are very exciting publication. There is not enough volume of them and the strengths of those uh, peer-reviewed scientific publication to come and say there is an action reaction. So we are monitoring it. Actually, I have a scientist that uh, is really excited about that and is monitoring it uh, every week. And we are reviewing the literature and, uh, and uh, keeping it in a standby until it will be ready to recommend intervention based on that. Yeah, they're doing a study right now, the PREDICT study, that, or maybe PREDICT2, that might be what it is. That was part of with the British Gut Project with Tim Spector, but a bunch of people in my intermittent fasting community have actually participated in it. So they're still gathering the data now to find it's not ready yet. They're still gathering it. People are tracking their foods and eating the muffins. And <laughs> it's, it's fascinating to watch people in the community actually participate in the research study. So we're going to be following that study to see what they report. But I, I don't know how long it'll take for them to be done analyzing it because they're really working with lots and lots of people. Yeah, that's exciting. It really is exciting. And, and, and like I said, it's exciting that our community, like one person in the in one of the Facebook groups, we have these online support communities. One person's like, I just decided to participate in this PREDICT2 study. And so they were going through it. And then other people applied to be part of it as well. So we have a, a number of intermittent fasters, a good number, that are participating in the research. But it's all about figuring out what foods work best for your body. And I think they're looking at, like they were wearing continuous blood glucose monitors and seeing what happened after they ate certain foods and all sorts of things like that. So I will be following it over time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see the result. Yeah, it's really exciting. It really is. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before. 
where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So what advice would you give to somebody, you know, if they're interested in intermittent fasting for aging, what would you tell them? I think that uh, so far I haven't seen in the literature data that show that uh, intermittent fasting is bad. Maybe it will come, but, uh, but so far I haven't seen it. There is, a, as we discussed uh, at the beginning of the discussion, there is a lot of information that show that uh, intermittent fasting is uh, good for longevity. Again, mainly in a, a model organism, but hopefully it's uh, also good for us. And also if you think about our environment today, comparing to the environment of the human being a few, let's say, hundreds of years ago, we haven't had a refrigerator next to our bedroom that we could go at night and, uh, I don't know, uh, drink milk or eat yogurt. We basically had to eat whenever we found the food or the food was available. I would say that the current situation that you eat without uh, any barrier and you eat all the day is not the normal. Normal situation is that you have a period of uh, feeding and period of fasting. So I would uh, say, yeah, go into that. Again, you need to realize what is the best fit for you. Is it every other day? Some people it's easier because then uh, one day they can continue exactly in what they are doing. The other day they are just fasting or there are some that are doing a 2-5 or uh, doing what you and me are doing, basically doing the uh, intermittent fasting uh, daily and or time restriction feeding, which is uh, for me and a lot of people that I know is the easiest way. Sounds like uh, the benefits are uh, still good. But what I will recommend them is also to monitor what they are eating in the or what they are consuming during the feeding period, and that's maybe connect us to the personal nutrition part that we discussed before. It's very important to know what you feed your body. I see the food as a, basically the oil or gasoline that you feed your body, and uh, hopefully everyone sees himself as a, a Tesla or a Porsche, and not a, I don't know a Kia Rio. So because of that, let's. <laughs> Let, let, let's feed ourselves with the best uh, right. uh, gasoline that we can. The premium fuel. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But the premium fuel for you, Jim, is the, might be different than mine. And let's understand what is the premium fuel for us. By the way, we are uh, the most important investment uh, in our life. So let's uh, invest in the important things. So let's uh, feed ourselves in the right food give ourselves the right rest, and, uh, and so on. So that's uh, combining the intermittent fasting with uh, maybe personal nutrition. Let's do both, and then hopefully we'll live uh, longer. But most importantly, we will continue to, uh, we'll be able to see our grandchildren uh, and the grand-grandchildren uh, graduating from college, which is what everyone wants to see. Absolutely. So I'm just curious, what foods work best for you? How do you eat? Yeah, so I... Uh, struggling a bit with a slightly high glucose. Again, it's a, we haven't discussed insert tracker too deeply, but uh, we have, a, if you look at glucose or any other marker, you have the normal zone and you have out of the normal. So basically the physician give for uh, everyone 65 to 99 level of glucose is normal and everything below and above is out of normal. We also develop an optimal zone 
based on your age and gender and sometimes ethnicity and athletic activity, we are giving you the optimal zone for you. So my glucose is a bit higher than my optimal zone. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to take it down. So for example, intermittent fasting is good for that. I also eat uh, every morning when I'm uh, breaking my fast, I'm consuming oatmeal that helped me to basically allow the glucose to absorb slowly because I have a, a oatmeal have a lot of fiber. I also try to consume as much as I can uh, beans because beans are also good for the glucose. I also try to consume as much as I can berries, blueberries and raspberries because again, they are uh, uh, high in fiber. And I'm uh, consuming some supplements because I, I know, for example, that my uh, uh, vitamin D, it's very hard for me to get it from the sun. I got a, a insert tracker recommend to me the amount of uh, vitamin D that I'm consuming, and now it's very stable. I see that my, also my uh, B12, vitamin B12, is not in the optimal zone uh, always, so I'm uh, uh, supplementing with a small amount of uh, vitamin B12. I'm also a monitor now with an activity tracker my sleep, and I'm trying to find the, what are the best way to improve the quality of the sleep. And again, uh, we have a pilot study now uh, with a, a Insta tracker on activity tracker, so we can give you a recommendation based on your uh, Fitbit what, uh, what is the best intervention for you to have a better night's sleep tomorrow or today. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, toying with my... Uh, uh, food and my uh, uh, lifestyle a lot. I also work on uh, some uh, uh, exercise interventions. So I used to have high inflammation. So I'm uh, doing yoga and I see that that's helped me to decrease the inflammation. I'm using several different tools to optimize my basically biomarkers. I love that. But you have access to them so you, are, you know how they respond, so you can tweak. And that's just really powerful. The information is there. You're like, oops. My sleep has not been on point. I can work on sleep for now. I love that. So what are some of the recommendations, just general recommendations for improving sleep? Because I know that's something that people struggle with. I'm going through menopause. I'm 50. And so women have a lot of troubles with sleep around this age. But just in general, what are some of the things that y'all recommend? There are some uh, general uh, sleep recommendations. We call it sleep hygiene. Like a very simple recommendation, the temperature of the room. That's very important, that it won't be too high or too low. For me, I, I, by trial and error, I go to 68 degrees. So I know that 68 degrees is the, the right temperature for me. I also like to be covered by blankets. Some people don't like it, some people like it. Another uh, important recommendation related to sleep hygiene is the room should be as dark as possible. A lot of us don't have it. So it's, it's mainly not to wake up too early especially in the summer, so uh, try to make the room as uh, dark as possible. A lot of us are using, uh, I don't know, having a TV in the room or having the, the smartphone next to their bed, next to the bed or watching TV two seconds before they are going to sleep. So that's can, uh, the blue light is not so good. So there are some, uh, first of all, I don't, I don't have a TV in my room and the bedroom is uh, for sleep and other activity, but definitely not for TV. For TV. Not for television. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, my phone is in my office and not in uh, next to my... Uh, if someone really needs me, he can wait for a uh, morning. So that's another example of how to manage the sleep. Also, some people are exercising too late and that's basically increase the adrenaline and then it's hard for them to fall asleep. 
Some people eat too late, and that's also, yeah, yeah. don't eat too late because what happens is that your gut is still uh, active and then uh, your heart rate is getting higher and then uh, it's hard for you to fall asleep. So there are uh, a lot of different recommendations to improve sleep. If you, for example, have a Fitbit or any other activity tracker, you can see also what are your specific problems. So it's not only the, uh, the length of the time that you are sleeping, but also how is your REM sleep, deep sleep how many times a night you wake up. So there are a lot of things that they uh, getting into that and you can even improve those subset of sleep based on knowing what is the problem. Then uh, we can subscribe to you an intervention that you can do in order to improve it. Yeah, that's fabulous. And so what I love is that at Inside Tracker, y'all work with the data that people have from their sleep and you say, all right, here's what's happening with your sleep. And based on that, this is what we want you to do. Correct. And you can look at, uh, also, I think that it's very encouraging to see what is your best. So some people can have, I don't know, 20% of their night can be a deep sleep. For me, I know that my average is around 12%. So every night that I have more than 12%, I'm happy because it's more than 12%. It's more than the, my average. So you can look, because you have so many data points uh, from activities tracker, like sleep and resting heart rate, you can start having what is the normal and optimal for you. Well, in, in the blood, because we are not testing you every second, we are testing you every three to six months, it's much harder to do that. So we can look at you based on the population, based on someone in your age and gender, but we can also look at you based on you and compare and do what we call an experiment of N of 1, just you, and then try to improve you based on your data. Yeah, that's fabulous. And it's really important for people to keep that in mind. You are an N equals one. It's your study. And the more science we have, the more we're realizing that we are all different. And so one size fits all, what to eat, when to eat it, how to eat it, when to exercise, what exercise to do, when to sleep, all of that. We just really need to focus on how does my body respond when I make these changes? Absolutely. Well, I love it. We are almost out of time. So I like to end, and I kind of already have asked you this, so, <laughs> but I like to end by asking guests, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish you knew when you first started? So I think that the, what I will tell someone that uh, is starting intermittent fasting, that it's, I think that it's great. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best intervention that's available for us today at least to hope to live longer, better life. And what is uh, uh, really exciting about that is that it's natural and simple. So it's not like you're not taking, a lot of people now taking uh, drugs or specific uh, small molecules because uh, some data in the literature saying that uh, it might be good in a, a model organism. This intervention, even if it won't work, it's not bad. Okay, so I haven't, I haven't seen any side effect of that yet, and I don't think that it will be, because basically we are not supposed to eat so much as we're eating today. So I would say that's the best intervention that you can have. It might not be easy at the first few weeks, as we discussed before, especially if you're doing every other day. But after that, you get into your routine. When it's in your routine, it's much easier than all the other diets, because other diets, you should eat uh, uh, 50 grams of that and, uh, I don't know, two liters of that. That's hard. Coming saying, I'm, I'm uh, starting to eat at 11 and stop uh, consuming food at uh, 6, it's easy. It's like uh, literally two 
points. Start and stop and that's it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And I know that everyone is going to be interested in checking out your company, Inside Tracker, and finding out more about how we can support our own personalized goals. Yeah, thank you so much, Jean. It was a, a really pleasure. And uh, I wish uh, good luck to all of your audience with their intermittent fasting uh, endeavor. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.